This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, November 14th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. To the extent that constraints on new housing are at the local level, there are big steps that states can take to accommodate the kind of growth that future residents want. Montana is among America's fast-growing states. Kendall Cotton is president of Montana's Frontier Institute. We spoke about how states can empower the creation of new housing. Well, Montana's a pretty great place, but the question is, how do we keep Montana feeling like Montana as we grow, right? And from our perspective, really the, the, the crux of it is uh, allowing for growth, removing constraints on growth. And right now, local governments place heavy constraints on growth, on where you can build duplexes, where you can put a townhome, where you can subdivide land. And uh, that is is driving up home prices in our in our uh, biggest cities and our most in-demand cities. And it's not only driving out longtime residents who can't afford to live there anymore because they're paying higher property taxes because of the higher values, but it's also, you know, we're, we're growing, there's businesses moving to Montana and that's great, but they can't find folks who can afford to live in these cities where their businesses are. So this is not just a, a housing problem. This is an economic growth problem. If we don't allow for landowners uh, to have the freedom to, to build the houses that we need, then we're going to forfeit uh, economic growth in the long run. So what what's going to help set the stage for uh, accommodating growth and just, you know, to, to as a large extent, trying to respect local communities decision making uh, or their their preferences while giving more people places to live. Yeah. Well, th- I, thankfully, this is something that seems to be um, kind of an emerging consensus. You know, President Biden recently, a couple months ago, came out with his housing action plan. And one of the uh, proposals was leveraging federal grant funding, federal funding streams for these local governments and tying those funding streams to zoning reforms. And, you know, th- I think that's a re- that's a recognition from the federal level that it's the local governments here who are the problem. And we need to leverage resources and leverage federal or state pressure to make changes happen because it's not going to happen on its own. In uh, California, of course, there's a highest rate of homelessness in the one of the highest rates of homelessness in the United States. Uh, huge, huge uh, housing regulations that make it very difficult for people to to build. It's getting a little better now. Uh, but also to the extent that you are rendering people homeless with your regulation, the extent to which the the feds are providing grants to your local community, you're effectively subsidizing that decision. Exactly. I think the best term for that that I've heard is called cost disease socialism, uh, where you restrict supply, but you subsidize demand. It doesn't make any sense. Um, And it leads to, you know, these constraints on growth leads to really, really poor outcomes. Um, you know, and, and one of our points we talked about in the beginning, keeping, how do we keep Montana feeling like Montana? And one of the things to note is that in California, you know, back at the turn of the century, LA was built a lot like Montana. It was open space. It was fresh air. It was access to the outdoors, uh, where you could live in the city, but you can go to the beach. You can go, you know, hike in the hills and, uh, you know, their strict zoning, uh, regulations over time led to this sprawling city that we see now where it's, you know, a concrete jungle and miles of highways. And, uh, people are moving from there to places like Montana. And uh, we see the exact same kind of zoning regulations in Montana cities 
that we saw in LA back then. And if we don't want to meet the same fate of LA and become sprawling, you know, metropolises, if we want to, you know, preserve that ability to say, I'm going to quit my office job in the city and I'm going to be on the hiking trail 20 minutes from now. Um, the only way to do that from our perspective is to allow for infill and denser development in our cities. And, uh, what in the cities in Montana in particular, what are, what are some of the typical ways that cities say, Nope, not here. Yeah, well, you know, one one form of regulation is just a straight up prohibition on type different types of homes. So in uh, Missoula, that's one of our fastest growing cities. It's one of the most in demand cities. River runs through it. That's was all about Missoula, and uh, they um, in in over seventy five percent of the city is uh, carved out for only single family homes on large lots. So you can't build a duplex in seventy five percent of Missoula, and uh, that's that's due to straight up prohibitions in the zoning code. But uh, another factor is minimum lot sizes. Uh, that's something that we looked at. So when you add minimum lot sizes on top of the strict you know, zoning prohibitions, you can create de facto single family zoning when you require a lot size that exceeds the size of the existing lots. So you got to go out and buy more land to build a duplex than building just a single family home. And land's expensive. So um, we have areas of our cities that as you add regulatory layers on top of each other, we just keep excluding these, what they call the missing middle housing, these two to four family, um, you know, housing developments that really end up being cheaper in the long run for workers, people just starting out, young families to take advantage of. Uh, tell me about the National Zoning Atlas. Yeah, this is a, a very interesting project because one of the big challenges is is purely uh, an education challenge. Um, zoning codes are notoriously complex. Um, you, in a lot of ways, you need to have a planning background in order to decipher them and to understand them. And unless you're in the industry, you don't really realize how big of a problem regulations are. And uh, one of the things that we've um, uh, partnered with a, a national group to do is visualize, uh, make an attempt to visualize the impact of these zoning codes. So uh, we mapped out where you can build things like a duplex, where you can't in a place like Missoula. And just visualizing, you know, the sheer amount of the city residential area that is uh, walled off to this missing middle housing um, has really spurred a discussion, at least in, in Montana. We published our report in March, and it's led to the governor calling people together and saying, putting a task force together and saying, we have to address this issue. The local governments uh, are not doing, uh, addressing uh, this problem adequately. Okay, so what, is that, what does that impose on local governments? Well, um, that's a big question is, is what, what can be done from the state level and how far do they want to go? But the one thing that we have done with our, with our research is we've, we've crystallized in, in most of the stakeholders' minds that regulation is a problem here that we should address. There was a lot of skepticism um, probably last year at this time that uh, regulations were even the problem. And, and, you know, a lot of local governments were saying, yeah, that's, that's not really the issue. We need to focus on, you know, subsidizing more housing and, you know, low income tax credits and all this kind of thing. But uh, we talked in the beginning about this cost disease socialism, this idea of restricting supply while juicing demand. Um, that just continues to make the problem worse. And uh, we have really drove the point home that regulatory reform is a viable strategy for addressing our housing crisis in Montana and elsewhere. And uh, we've done that through, um, you know, data visualizations and interactive maps. We've gone in presenting these maps at, you know, local governments and city councils across the state. And uh, everyone recognizes this is a problem now, but uh, the local governments are, they're dragging their feet. Uh, 
and uh, they have to contend with you know their constituents, the NIMBYs, who oftentimes don't want to see development in their backyard. And so now it's led to the governor and a lot of state leaders saying, hey, now we need to start looking at how we step in here. Uh, so uh, when you look out surveying other states, are there states that you think are getting this right? Yeah, I, I think that there's states that are starting to move the ball. Um, I think California, um, you know, they've advanced um, accessory dwelling units. Um, we've seen other states start to look at, you know, that that prohibitions on multifamily housing. Um, but one of the, the things that we've emphasized is that it's the underlying regulatory factors as you add them all up that becomes the issue. So, you know, you could theoretically have a zone that allows for a duplex, but when you require a minimum lot size that's a certain size, it can make that a de facto single family zone. So it, it is going to take a holistic approach, but um, we think that minimum lot areas from the research uh, is something that's very clearly a big factor in housing costs and uh, something that, you know, local governments have the power to address right now, but reasonably could, could be addressed from the state level to say, if you're in a, a municipal area and you're parcels connected to wet utilities like sewer water, there's no reason, there's no reason for public safety or anything else that you need to be prohibiting denser development, at least that two to four family housing in those areas. For states, uh, you know, like Montana, although land is expensive, more expensive there than it uh, is uh, in a lot of other places, for areas that are growing quickly, that have plenty of land, that, uh, you know, have people moving in, but there's enough housing right now to accommodate them. What what do you tell them? Because they don't see the problem. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't sense that there's any problem at all. Well, I think that city councilors are sensing the problem when they say that we need more revenue to build out infrastructure to accommodate this sprawl. You know, to 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 build in these open lands and uh, formerly agricultural areas um, and new subdivisions. And so we say, let's let's take an approach to where we say, first, do no harm. And let's look at the areas where we already have utility services. We already have roads built out. We already are serving them as an urban area and say, how can we better utilize this land? And from our perspective, uh, the best way to do that is to give landowners more freedom to make those decisions, to say, you know, you have the freedom to build a duplex here or a triplex. And, um, and allowing that freedom will um, allow the market to adjust and meet the demand that we're seeing for housing in Montana. Kendall Cotton is president of Montana's Frontier Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.